Welcome to the IEEE Digital Privacy Podcast Series, an IEEE Digital Studio production. This podcast series features conversations with industry and academic leaders, as well as key stakeholders of digital privacy, in order to help advance solutions that support the privacy needs of individuals. In this episode, we speak with J.D. Wyja, a distinguished professor in the Management Sciences and Information Systems Department at Rutgers University. J.D. discusses the realities facing the digital privacy space and how emerging technologies are impacting individuals and enterprises concerned with both privacy and security issues. J.D., thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. To get started, can you share a little bit of information on yourself and your background? Uh, sure. So hi, everyone. I'm J.D. Poidia. I'm a distinguished professor of computer information systems at Rutgers University. I'm also the director of the Rutgers Institute for Data Science Learning and, and Applications. Um, I have been broadly interested in, in uh, data privacy, and my research is actually on privacy and security, as well as data analytics and data management for the past, I would say, close to uh, 24 years now. So how did you first become involved with digital privacy? So this is an interesting story. Uh, you know, when I actually started my PhD, initially before even starting to look at things, I, I thought I was really, really interested in, in sort of networking. And then I, uh, you know, as I went through my graduate studies, I realized that my true passion was elsewhere in, in, in some sense. And at the time, it was really interesting because I started taking courses in cryptography uh, and, and, and security. And then I also took uh, you know, a bunch of courses in data analytics. And one of the interesting things that came up, this was a very nascent field back then, was this question of, uh, can we extract value from, from data while sort of uh, making sure that, that we preserve the privacy of it? And, and these questions actually came up uh, honestly because once 9-11 occurred, which was actually, you know, I came here in 1999, uh, and in, in 2001, after 9-11, after that terrible incident, um, uh, essentially, we had to ramp up a lot of things in terms of ensuring security, uh, in terms of surveillance, in terms of analyzing data as well. Uh, but suddenly, there was this question, oh, is it that we will lose our individual liberty uh, you know, in, in terms of privacy in order to do this? And actually, we realized that, no, this is not necessarily the case. You can use techniques, in fact, from cryptography to, to, to sort of help with that. And that's, in fact, when my interest started and my initial paper started from 2002 onwards, looking at uh, how to ensure privacy uh, while, while still enabling us to get, uh, you know, ensure security. What are some of the key challenges or issues facing digital privacy and in what application areas? So, uh, great question. Um, essentially, privacy, uh, you know, affects us all in, in many different ways. Uh, as the world has changed, you know, there's been digitization of pretty much everything, um, uh, you know, all around us, no matter what kind of information is, is being collected. So there's huge amounts of data collection happening. Uh, data storage happening as well and, and things in the background. This has created a bigger threat, if you will, 
to privacy as well. So new technologies like uh, AI actually exacerbate this uh, to a large extent as well, because they are able to look at the surrounding, uh, you know, small bits of uh, data about you, put it together to, to, to sort of infer uh, a lot of things about you. So in that sense, as the years have gone by, even though we have now technology that can help us address privacy concerns as well, the threats to privacy have increased. And now you have these questions about, oh, how do we evaluate privacy? You know, how can we measure what kind of privacy do we have? Um, and then how do you communicate this to people? You know, how do you make sure people make the right choices and understand the consequences of their actions? And if there are these technologies for privacy enhancing, uh, you know, technologies or privacy enabling technologies, if you will, how do we ensure adoption of these things uh, in, in, in real life? So there are lots of uh, questions from, from this perspective. Uh, but yeah, the key concern is, is, is simply that we have much broader threats to privacy as a whole, and we need to be aware of this um, as we operate in, in, in real life. Jadeep, where do you see concerns related to digital privacy in the near term and for the future? Um, yeah, so again, uh, you know, one of the interesting points is the, the, the fact that technology keeps accelerating, right? And, and new threats uh, come out, uh, if you will, things that you've not thought of before. So just to take one example, with generative AI, now even having sort of very few samples, you know, I have three samples of your voice. Somebody could be uh, hearing this podcast, take your voice or my voice from here and could be generating uh, essentially uh, a perfect replica, if you will. And all of us have seen sort of the um, uh, memes or, or ads they've put up now, given the, the, the elections that uh, will soon come, come about, where you've seen these AI voices for say, President Biden and, and so on. So generative AI has been a huge game changer in, in this respect. And what happens due to that uh, is that, again, these simple things that we are used to doing that we don't assume are, are going to be a threat to privacy can you know, suddenly turn into a huge threat for privacy. Because if people can impersonate you, if people can use that to spoof who you are, you know, uh, essentially take over your digital identity, they can then learn a lot more about you and create all sorts of harms. It doesn't just have to be digital harm. It can even be the potential for physical harm and, and other things of, of that sort. So uh, I would say going forward, we really need to be aware of the repercussions of all forms of technology and look at it from the holistic perspective, take privacy into account and have uh, you know things, uh, just as we say, design for security, we need to design for privacy as well. So you covered a lot there, but in your opinion, what's the upside to these scenarios? <laughs> I would add one thing to that, though. I mean, the future is not completely gloomy. We do have, you know, active research going on, for example, uh, looking at how we can watermark these things um, or how we can determine whether something is necessarily coming from, from AI or, or not. And uh, secondly, you know, we don't have to sort of fight this battle by ourselves, meaning, yes, we are going to come up with new technologies to protect uh, and, and defend as well, but also having a holistic solution where you take into account, um, say, legal recourses and, and so on. I think together as a whole, this may uh, help uh, to, to protect us uh, comprehensively. So let's say you have policies in place. Now you have technical safeguards in place. 
you have legal resources that are available to you as well. All of these together, I think, will help to, to protect us as a whole. And uh, no one thing can do it uh, individually, but together, I, I, I think there is absolutely a hope. So we hear a lot about privacy versus security. Can you speak to the intersection of these two things as it relates to enterprises versus the individual? Normally, you know, to, to, to some extent, things have changed now. But in many cases, especially in sort of bad regimes, let me put it this way, you will always see this dichotomy or uh, uh, this um, trade-off between privacy and security. And you'll always have uh, be made to feel that you have to choose one or the other. This is completely untrue. You know, it's not that you can only have privacy at the expense of security or vice versa. Um, really, the huge advances that have been made technologically in privacy enhancing technologies and privacy enabling technologies, uh, like fully homomorphic encryption, uh, like uh, secure enclaves and a bunch of others that I can, I can talk about, goes to show you that you can actually ensure, actually ensure security as well as ensure privacy at the same time. So it's not a zero-sum game. It's not that you would be trading one off versus the other. The other interesting point is, is from the perspective of the individual versus the enterprise or versus the organization, interestingly enough, privacy and security are actually two sides of, of the same coin to, to some extent. They are not, uh, you know, subsets of each other, nor do they sort of, uh, they are not mutually exclusive either. They are complementary to each other, so to speak. And you can think of individual privacy where you may care about your personal record, you may care about um, information that pertains just to you versus looking at information pertaining to all records. So you can think of it from an organizational security perspective where now they may be worried about protecting their trade secrets and things of that nature. And that technologies that would be used for both would actually be very similar or in some cases be exactly the same as well. So what I'm really saying is that when you look at individual privacy versus organizational security, they're kind of like two sides of the same coin and we can use a, a lot of the same techniques uh, or overlapping techniques to sort of protect both. So Jadeep, I read uh, somewhere where you recently won a government-sponsored privacy enhancing technology competition. Can you tell our listeners about that and the goals and benefits of that competition? Um, so actually back in 2021, President Biden uh, at the Summit for Democracy, at the inaugural Summit for Democracy, he announced uh, that there would be a series, of, actually a competition, a transatlantic competition held between uh, the, the US and UK, um, which would be focusing on privacy as privacy is one of the key democratic values that, that we care about. And the idea here was that these competitions would sort of put together use cases where you could showcase the, the you, you would see the need for privacy enhancing tools and you could showcase the, the use of these technologies uh, to, to help you uh, in, in effect. And in late 2022, uh, several government agencies on both sides of the pond, including uh, OSTP, the Office of Science and Technology Policy in the US, NIST and the National Science Foundation in the US, um, and several others in, in the UK got together 
to create this privacy enhancing technologies prize uh, challenges, if, if you will, or pets challenges, uh, as, as you may have heard of it. And there were basically two tracks to this. One track was focused on financial crime, uh, while the second was focused on pandemic forecasting. And in both cases, the, the key challenge was that the data that would be used to carry out the task in question. So in the financial uh, crime case, it was to detect financial fraud. Uh, it would be split between multiple parties. So for example, in the financial crime case, you would have information presented at the banks and at the payment network system, such as SWIFT um, as well. And this uh, information would have to be kept private uh, or, or protected in some manner while still allowing the development um, of a useful model that would be able to predict if uh, whether fraudulent activity was happening. In the pandemic forecasting case, again, a very similar setup, data would be split across different organizations. And the goal would be then to, to keep it private while predicting if, if uh, there was an issue in, in terms of uh, spread of, of the disease uh, as well. Um, so we actually uh, received the first prize uh, prize in the U.S. Uh, for the financial crime track. Um, the, the the big thing about this competition was that it really, you know, helped to establish the value of privacy enhancing technologies. Uh, so it went to show that we could use these technologies for real problems and actually achieve very good utility uh, as well. So something that would give you meaningful results while providing a strong guarantee of privacy. So it was very nice because it basically brought a lot of attention, um, if you will, uh, to this and went on to show the feasibility of, of such solutions as well as showcasing um, you know, what more would be needed. So we recently had a demonstration day uh, of this uh, in London, uh, as, as a matter of fact. And again, there were a lot of folks, including folks from academia, from the government agencies, from regulators, from industry, to trying to figure out what would be the next step forward and how do we actually move this to, to adoption so that we can protect privacy, but still uh, have good societal outcomes. I understand there's a new IEEE publication coming out entitled Transactions on Privacy. How are you involved in that effort? Uh, sure, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, so again, IEEE has a, a new periodical coming out, the, uh, which is titled The Transactions on Privacy. This is IEEE Computer Society, uh, a journal, if, if you will. And it will be a fully open, uh, you know, gold access, open access uh, gold open access journal, and it will be launched from January of 2024. Um, I was indeed the proposer for this journal, the call for the inaugural editors in chief uh, or editor in chief of the journal is currently out. Um, but the, the, the main goal of this was to create a um, focused venue for work on privacy. So what we've seen actually what, what uh, I was aware of was that there's a lot of fragmentation regarding the research on privacy. So research on privacy can end up in uh, periodicals like uh, the transactions on dependable and secure computing, the transactions on knowledge discovery, uh, knowledge and data engineering, uh, TIPAMI, a bunch of others. Since privacy affects uh, a whole, you know, very broad set of, of areas, it is almost as though the work for that would be fragmented and it would go to a lot of different journals. Worse was the fact that um, there were no specific journals that would look at 
privacy from a very holistic perspective, where you're looking at design, you're looking at specification, where you're looking at uh, deployment considerations and, and adoption considerations as well, standards and things of that nature. So the idea was that by launching the transactions on privacy, we would have one place where the best research on privacy could actually be published. And this would then let people you know, follow that one venue, one top tier venue to know what are the latest research advances and then similarly contribute and grow the field as a whole. So the, the, that was the, the whole idea behind this. So Jadeep, I know you're familiar with the IEEE Digital Privacy Initiative. Can you share some of your views on how you see that initiative helping to advance the technology space? So I think this is really a fantastic effort. Uh, we definitely need more efforts like this because essentially what the initiative has done is something very similar where it is focusing attention on digital privacy across all of the different IEEE societies and the broader community at, at large, right? So the thing is that privacy again, and I, I have repeated this several times, but privacy is a very broad area, if, if you will. You know, there are physical aspects of privacy, there are digital aspects of privacy, there are aspects coming from new technologies and emerging technologies as well. So essentially privacy is, is a very broad field uh, and, and there are privacy considerations in all sorts of uh, different things. What the Digital Privacy Initiative did was to advance the, con uh, you know, the conversation saying, hey, you know what, this is important, this needs to be looked at, and we need to get the entire community together to look at this. So I think it has been fantastic in sort of bringing a community together of people who are interested in privacy and moving the conversation forward. And similar to the transactions on privacy, which will have a complementary goal of sort of recording or, or publishing uh, all of the research work in privacy, this helps to sort of move the, the conversation ahead. JD, thank you again for taking time to speak with us today and contribute to the IEEE Digital Privacy Podcast Series. In closing, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? The, 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 the one main thought that, that I have is that you know, we all need to be aware of, of what is happening with our data. And in, in some sense, you know, IEEE is, is a global body, which, which is great. Um, but what you see is that on the national front, there are clear differences in terms of some countries which have recognized how important privacy is, others which are still uh, lagging behind, and yet others, you know, let's take the US as an example, we very much realize the importance of privacy, but we have a very diverse set of laws, for example, uh, to, to cover this. We don't have a comprehensive uh, sort of national regulation that, that is taking us uh, ahead. So I would say, you know, there's a lot of personal responsibility over here as well. We can't just live as we were living in the past. We need to be aware of the threats to privacy. And, but, you know, I, I always like to uh, sort of end on an optimistic note as well. New technologies are coming. There is hope out there. It's not as though we just need to say, oh, privacy is lost, get over it. Indeed, technology can come to the rescue as well. And all of these privacy enhancing technologies um, out there will uh, definitely come to maturity. And I, I hope to see them uh, being brought into adoption very soon now. Thank you for listening to our interview with J.D. Bwaja. To learn more about the IEEE Digital Privacy Initiative, please visit our web portal at digitalprivacy.ieee.org.